You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, stay connected wherever you go and transform your vehicle into a dependable Wi-Fi hotspot. Powering applications like real-time GPS and voice assistant, navigation becomes a breeze. Even on the practice field, AT&T in-car Wi-Fi keeps you connected while in proximity of your vehicle. Work, stream shows, or finish homework without missing a beat. See if you're eligible for a free trial at att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi. Don't let connectivity be a roadblock in your journey. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't try distracted Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use when vehicle is in operation, compatible device and vehicle required. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Close to the Chest with Kristen and Christine is brought to you by iHeartRadio. My name is Kristen Nobles, and today is November 16th. This week's episode is ironically recovery. That is the part of the process I am knee-deep in right now. When I set out to get treated, it was really important to me to come up with a plan to not only physically recover from the disease, but I knew I had huge emotional scars I had to deal with. And lastly, my hope was that financially, I would be able to get back on my feet. Physically, I, for the rest of my life, will be left with conditions and diseases that need to be managed and cannot be cured. And that's sad. But at the same time, I have symptoms that can be eased and a recovery process ahead of me where I know life will get better. I've seen so many women survive and thrive, and I so desperately want to be part of that community. And to do that, I have to do emotional work as well. The shame and guilt that I have carried for years with this disease, thinking it was my fault, blaming myself because I couldn't afford treatment at times, it really affected the relationship I have with myself as well as the relationship I have with other people. I have severe PTSD from this disease and I work every day to manage that. The anxiety, the depression, the anger, but I'm doing what I need to do to make sure I overcome that. And finding the right psychological and emotional support for me was key. And lastly, financially. So many women I talk to and myself have nearly been bankrupted by this disease. I don't know how much I've spent over the last 20 years, but I know it's all I had. Being a chronically ill single mother managing a disease that wasn't yet named during a pre-existing condition period nearly bankrupted me. Then I got coverage and I started to go through the process and met all of the specialists and experts. And it took years to diagnose me all those co-pays, all that money spent. And I arrived at this place where I felt helpless, emotionally, physically, and financially. And recovery I'm learning is unique to each of us. So I encourage anyone out there in the recovery process to be kind to yourself. Take your time, pay attention to your body. Because I'm currently going back into the hospital. And it's not easy, but I'm not giving up because I know together we are not alone.
So this episode is all about recovery. And Kristen, you're still in the relatively early stage of that journey. We've already heard from many women who are in various stages of their recovery. And from where I sit, the only thing y'all have in common is the immediate symptom relief you've felt after having the implants out. Yes, Chris. And every patient's journey is unique. Each of our bodies are unique. And the most important thing that we can do is get these implants safely out of our bodies. That sounds simple. However, it took me years to get a doctor to help. And thank God that's now changing. However, it's not just the explant. There is a long healing process that's physical, healing, mentally, getting yourself back, and financially. And that will also be unique for each person and patient. Kristen, please explain to our listeners about your most recent adventures in explanting. What have you been suffering through these past few weeks? I don't even know where to start. Um... You know, first, I want to say I'm very grateful to have these silicone bombs out of my body because I did feel some just immediate relief. And I'm really grateful that I found a doctor who took insurance and really cares. And as much as I'm glad they're out, as it took two years to get here, I have to confess when I first saw myself in the mirror, I was horrified. I cried and sat on the floor and I had to dig pretty deep and temper my fear of rejection and judgment and people not wanting me knowing my original goal. I want to feel better. So I focus on feeling healthy, not my appearance for now, which is hard for me. And I definitely know I will never miss the way they made me feel. But in reality, I've been struggling, you know, emotionally, physically, and financially through this process. Well, Kristen, as your friend, watching you struggle hurts my heart. I wish I could help. I feel helpless. I imagine most people who love BII patients feel that way. It is. And I fear putting that burden on people as a patient. But that's not reality. You know, so many people have stepped in, even when I wouldn't ask for help, and been there for me, from walking my dogs to driving me to doctor's appointments to helping with food and natural remedies. Is And I'm sad, you know, that my health is not great. And I'm still suffering from several symptoms and diseases. I suffer daily from issues with my thyroid. As you mentioned, I'm having to go into back surgery and I'm only six weeks out. And six weeks out, I'm only two days out of the hospital because a week ago, my left breast blew up and looked bigger than it did with the implant. And at first I thought it was positive thinking. (laughs) (laughs) Like my boob came back because I imagined it. But my doctor took one look at the photos, took immediate action, hospitalized me, and now I have drainage tubes in. And that's just one of my issues. You know, my lymph nodes are huge and the back surgery, as we mentioned, so walking is almost impossible. And I feel, you know, handicapped in some way and I'm scared, but I'm still determined to figure this out and take one procedure at a time. I hope that you're hopeful. I am. You just skimmed a little bit over your back issues. Let's touch on that. You have a fracture in your lower vertebrae with bulging discs and stenosis. That's a lot. You were scheduled to have surgery with to help with that today, weren't you? Yes, but unfortunately, I need to heal from what's going on in my breast first. And that's happened a lot in my journey where I had a procedure scheduled, but then a subcondition came up that pushed things out. And that's a really frustrating part of this recovery process is how do you balance conditions from symptoms and how do you recover? And it just gets overwhelming. 
It seems like almost one step forward, two steps back. Hey, my setbacks will be comebacks. <laughs> I really wish your recovery was going smoothly for you, but I really do think that by sharing your story, our listeners can gain some insight so that they can manage their expectations. It's not an overnight cure. I know. I thought I would immediately feel better. And then I got great advice from someone who told me to document my you know, history. And they had me separate my diseases and my symptoms. And it allowed me to take a look at what I can fix and know what will require lifetime management so I can pa- plan for my care. You know, the degradation in my spine has been shocking and painful. And honestly, lately, I cry a lot because I feel helpless and ashamed at how much help I need. It's to the point where every system in my body is affected. And between going to emergency rooms, you pay a copay. Testing being ordered, more copays. Then you get hospitalized and are left with this big deductible and this matrix goes on and on. And so sometimes I feel like I'm financially overwhelmed, but the emotional roller coaster is harder than financial issues or even the physical pain we're going through. Well, if you are looking for some kind of support, then I think you need to look no further than today's guest. Our first guest we're speaking with is a therapist that you know and trust. She is a BAI survivor as well, Dr. Amanda Savage-Brown. Yes, and I'm so excited to speak with her. Amanda takes a behavioral approach to therapy and has been helping so many women with BII. She specializes in acceptance and commitment therapy, which really helps women live with a mindful self-acceptance and pursue values-guided change. And I look forward to hearing her strategy to make everyone's futures bright. (laughs) I see what you did there. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, stay connected wherever you go and transform your vehicle into a dependable Wi-Fi hotspot. Powering applications like real-time GPS and voice assistant, navigation becomes a breeze. Even on the practice field, AT&T in-car Wi-Fi keeps you connected while in proximity of your vehicle. Work, stream shows, or finish homework without missing a beat. See if you're eligible for a free trial at att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi. Don't let connectivity be a roadblock in your journey. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Now I'd like to introduce you to Meaningful Beauty, the famed skincare brand created by iconic supermodel Cindy Crawford. It's her secret to absolutely gorgeous skin. Meaningful Beauty makes powerful and effective skincare simple, and it's loved by millions of women. It's formulated for all ages and all skin tones and types, and it's designed to work as a complete skincare system, leaving your skin feeling soft, smooth, and nourished. I recommend starting with Cindy's Full Regimen, which contains all five of her best-selling products, including the amazing Youth Activating melon serum this next generation serum has the power of melon leaf stem cell technology it's melon leaf stem cells encapsulated for freshness and released onto the skin to support a visible reduction in the appearance of wrinkles with thousands of glowing five-star reviews why not give it a try subscribe today and you can get the amazing meaningful beauty system for just $49.95 that includes our introductory five-piece system free gifts free shipping and a 60-day money-back guarantee all that available at meaningfulbeauty.com You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. 
we're so blessed to have you today because this episode is obviously, it's about recovery. And I think that's something that is a very broad term when we talk about breast implant illness. And so as not only a licensed psychotherapist, but also a BII survivor, I wondered if we could start by you just sharing with the listeners what recovery means to you and why you think it's so important to talk about it. Yeah, I mean, and I I definitely want to answer that from both the personal perspective and then what I observe as a as a therapist kind of watching women and working with women going through this. So I you know, there's so much information out there about, you know, what to expect when explanting and um what we need to buy and, you know, how can we safely plan for explant and all of that is wonderful. And and obviously we need to use that to help us know what's possible, like what is all in the realm of possibility, and then to kind of help us get prepared. And then where I kind of caution my clients, and this kind of pulls in a bit of my personal experience, is I, I think it's really important for us to not set expectations for our body and our recovery based on what happens to other people. Um, For example, I was told that because my implants were above the muscle, that I was going to have this much easier surgery. Um, I was going to have a much briefer recovery. And, you know, honestly, I was banking on that. And um, that didn't end up being the case for me. I had very, very thick calcified capsules um, that the doctor said had tentacles kind of growing away from the capsules um, and they were pinching nerves and it was just a much more involved surgery. What you said about the nerves and it being an involved surgery, every person is different and it is major surgery. I'm 16 days post-explant and the emotional feelings I felt, like you said, to plan for that, recovery isn't just the physical side. I think for me, my physical recovery has been much, I don't want to say easy because that's not been easy, but my emotional recovery is something that I didn't know what to expect, like you just said. And I think we do feel a lot of pressure now that we're sharing our stories also to recover, you know, like you do from pregnancy, you want to recover fast, you want to do it best. And, you know, and it's, it's so not that way. Like it's unique to each person. I know that I have some common feelings, but they come all over the place. That's exactly what, what I was going to say is that you know, what I see is if we set expectations that in, you know, finishing up kind of on that physical side, like we're going to wake up and we're going to feel better. The brain fog's going to be gone. You know, we're going to breathe. We're, the weight's going to melt off. When and if that doesn't, it's great when that happens, but when it doesn't happen, what happens to the woman experiencing that is that self-doubt gets amplified. The questioning gets amplified, the comparative thinking and then that drives more suffering, which interferes with recovery. And then you just raised what to me is the is an incredibly important point, which is that recovery isn't just physical. Like these journeys, we we start on them because of stuff that's pushing us around in our head and our heart as women's who women who grow up in this breast obsessed society. And so when we explant, it removes problematic implants from our body, but it doesn't remove us from the problematic messaging around our body. And so we're left with a tremendous amount of inner work that needs to happen. And 
that's something I'm very passionate about bringing to the community is, you know, actual support for the psychosocial aspect of breast implant removal, BII, and explant recovery. No, you're absolutely spot on there because I think the idea of recovery and what it means to someone is really important. So what does like a recovered person mean to a licensed psychotherapist? (laughs) Gosh, you know, I think it depends on her goals going into the surgery. And so, you know, some of us are just like, I want to get these implants out and I'm going to get back and, and reclaim my body. Um, And then like what you said, it's, I think that a lot of us end up really surprised to find that our recovery actually ends up being a much more holistic process. And so for me, as a therapist looking at it, I would define recovery as a, a person who's moving forward after this surgery and she can age in a youth-obsessed society. She can live with post-explant breasts. She can make decisions for her body and her health and her well-being without being so pushed around by all the toxic messaging, without being like controlled, kind of like a marionette, by those old familiar beliefs that we all just learn as young women growing up in our culture. You know, So that's how I would define fully recovered is that you can kind of take the the hidden opportunity with this journey to reclaim not just your body, but also your mind, and then move forward and really be in the driver's seat from that point forward. And, and that sounds simple. And I really acknowledge that it's a lot of work. It really is. And it's an ongoing process too. You know, it's funny because I felt like if I'm being really, really honest, I felt like a fraud. So I got breast implants um, before I made a career change. So originally I um, got a PhD in genetics and I worked as a scientist for the United States Public Health Service. And I did that for, you know, over a decade. And then I, you know, would wanted to be truer to myself and I wanted to work with people one-on-one. So then I went back to graduate school. And I got breast implants before I really, really started doing a lot of that inner work and started kind of reclaiming myself. So I'd sit there helping women. I specialize in women's self-acceptance. So I would sit there and feel like a fraud because I was behind these two implants that I knew I didn't want. I absolutely didn't want to age with implants. I didn't want the like threat of potential future surgeries hanging over my body. And so I knew I didn't want them, and yet I wasn't taking the values-guided action to get them out. I was kind of putting it off out of fear. Um, And then going through the whole process and, you know, my appearance changed, everything changed, you know, and needing to be able to be open about that and talk about that because I think it's really important for us as women to be real with each other and to normalize, like, look, I did this just like millions of others of women have done this to our bodies for all of these reasons. And we can make decisions moving forward to like repair that inside and out. So I've tried to be really transparent with my clients about what's going on. And then when I'm working with clients who share the BII experience or explant, it's it's just incredibly helpful because women are wired 
to seek connection with other women who share and know their distress. That's just how we work. So I think it's been very, very helpful. What you just said there about being able to empathize with someone who's gone through this, you know, Chris and I talk to survivors and thrivers and family members that this journey you speak of that's so important that right now I'm going through, it's not pretty. You know, I spend more time on my bathroom floor than I'd like to share crying. But I do notice it's this moment of relief and release. And like you said, connecting to this community of women there, all of a sudden, I feel like I belong again, where prior I felt really alone and on the outside and misunderstood and marginalized. And I just wondered for you in the role of mental health, when you're working with women like us, do you see, um, because for me, there was major depression. And I think the mental side of the disease took a great toll on my self-talk, my self-perception, my self-value. And it's almost like I'm rebuilding myself and how I feel about myself. Is this normal? Yeah. You know, and that's the the frustrating thing about this is that the population isn't being studied in this respect, right? So we can't with any confidence say, you know, that anxiety is observed in 95% of patients or, you know, depressive episodes occur. And we, but we do know that that is the experience, you know, and then the thing that really, really, you know, emboldened me and passioned me to start, you know, to literally completely shift my practice to specialize in this is the way that women with BII, what I saw in terms of how they were being treated, it was shocking to me uh, when I was going through the explant process in 2018, the, the gaslighting, the dismissiveness, the minimizing, it, it's, it's like fuel to a fire that is already burning her up on the inside. And it was really, really upsetting to me to see that. And so we're already struggling with anxiety that I believe is driven by, you know, a lot of complex things that are being disrupted in our body that we don't have the studies yet to really say we understand the pathology behind all of that. But we've already got this like chemically derived anxiety that's happening to us. We have this feeling of depression or hopelessness, this fatigue that leads us to feel like we've completely lost touch with ourselves, any hope of living the life that we thought that we were going to live. And then when you try to help yourself, you're met with controversy, confusion, and dismissiveness. It's, it's really, really problematic. And and while it's wonderful and amazing that there's so many resources that can help us with the physical side of recovery, like what you just said about being on your bathroom floor more than you care to admit, I know that that is playing out as we speak right now. That's playing out for probably, I don't know how many women around the world, you know, and that is what's inspiring me to do the work that I'm doing is I want women when they're on their bathroom floor I want them to feel like they know what to do for themselves. And I want them to be able to do things for themselves that ends up helping them heal and recover in ways that they'll emerge from this. I always think of like um, a phoenix rising from ashes, you know, and I, I want women to be able to emerge from this 
you know, stronger and more resilient than we go into it. And I know it's possible because I've seen it happen. Why is that so hard for women? Why is that so hard for women to just be kind to ourselves? I know it. it is. And I, and I think back, like how many of us, I, I'm sure that if we were in a room right now with an auditorium filled with women with BII and women with breast implants, and we said, how many of you have been told to just, just learn to love yourself, just accept yourself? Like all of our hands would go flying up in the air. And then if we said, how many of you know how to do that? Most of the hands would go down because we don't know how to do that. We, we're so wonderful and loving and caring to others. And, and we're so compassionate to others. And it doesn't occur to us to treat ourselves the way that we would treat someone that we love. And that's part of the work that I do with women. And that's part of the transformation is getting her to see that just as she would treat her mother, her sister, her daughter, her friend, somebody she loved or cared about, that she can do those same things for herself. And I believe that to fully recover from this, that we have to do that. And you'll hear these beautiful stories of women. And in my own story, you know, a big turning point for me is when, and I get emotional talking about this, but it's when I stopped viewing my post-explant aesthetics as something that needed to be fixed, something that was so upsetting. And, and I started responding to it the way that I would if it was on my daughter's body. And everything changed for me. And I started being gentle. I started being loving. I started being caring. And it changed my relationship with myself. Well, you just hit on the, the head there because I think for a lot of us, First and foremost, self-sacrifice. We are raised in a culture where, you know, we embrace the suck, we sacrifice, we do for others, and that makes us a, an amazing woman. And I think part of this new generation of acceptance and self-talk is that, you know, to quote Maya Angelou, if you can't love yourself, who can you love? And I think, like you said, it's not that easy. It's something that in that moment when we make the decision to actually go through an explant, you make that first choice of yourself over everything else. That's this belief system that led you to get the implants in the first place. So what would you say to that woman out there that's at the point where she's choosing to have an explant? We are scared because we're not sure what life's going to be like. What would you say to that woman is something we can lean on as one of those tools to get us through that really fearful moment? Because I know it's scary for a lot of us to choose recovery. Absolutely. So I think it comes down to you've got to know your why and you've got to hold it really, really close to your chest. And so I work from a, a premise of acceptance and commitment therapy or acceptance and commitment training, depending on what I'm doing. And, and a big part of acceptance and commitment therapy is, is values guided action. And so it's, it's really like a two-step thing. One, know and really, really embrace that. Are you doing this for health? Are you doing this for another value that you hold? Not everybody explants because of BII. Some women explant because they're reclaiming their mind from, you know, an abusive partner who ridiculed her about her body. You know, some women are are doing it because they're making a values aligned move with um, natural or organic living. So there's different reasons, but whatever yours is, 
really know it and like pull it into your heart and use that as like a like the north on a on a compass use that to guide your actions as you move toward and through explant yeah so one of the things that I'll do is I'll I'll help women literally know like values are basically like adverbs they describe your quality of action so do you want to treat yourself compassionately gently kindly lovingly respectfully healthfully whatever that is for you and then literally pretend that you're making a compass um, and, and, and put those things. And, you know, we use a compass when we've lost our way, right? And we pull it out so that it helps us find where we're going. So in that moment you just described where you're looking in the mirror and it's very distressing, it's one of the things you do is you pull out that compass and you look at it and you say, okay, well, I really care about treating myself lovingly or I really care about treating myself respectfully, or I really care about treating myself kindly. And then you just ask, what could I do? Is there something I need to say to myself or stop saying to myself? Is there a way that I need to touch myself? Is there, should I, should I rest my hand on my heart? You know, is there something that I can do that is values guided as opposed to fear guided, as opposed to being driven by all that baggage that's very, very real, which brings me to the second thing or another important thing is in those moments, we've got to show up for the part of us that's grieving and we've got to show up for the part of us that's afraid, right? And I hear so many women on these journeys. I hear them say, I did this to myself. I can't be angry. I did this to myself. I can't. That's not true. You don't have to choose. It isn't all or nothing. I just want to thank you so much because being able to talk to someone, you know, with your not only education, but experience, which I think is the combination that really creates true solutions and your willingness to bring this issue to the forefront of your community and to continue learning is key because acknowledging the emotional impact of breast implant illness and the recovery is something like you said, is not necessarily talked about enough because it's a physical process for some. And I think Christine and I can, you know, just, we're so grateful to bring this to the listener's attention. And also for me to have you in my toolkit as I go forward, it's priceless because I didn't know what to expect. And now that I'm going through it, I know it's not only a unique journey, but it's one that requires this community support to get through. And I think having you in the community is a blessing. It's an opportunity for us to all grow. And the fact that you're doing this work is such an inspiration to me. This, this work is my honor. Um, I just am very, very honored to be doing the work. Um, I, I look at this whole situation and how we get into this and how we get ourselves out of it. And I, I feel like the problem with problematic breast implants and BII is a global women's health issue. And, you know, being a part of the solution, I, I'd like to try to help women, you know, just look at this lifelong quest for better breasts that we're all pursuing and kind of step back from it and get in control of it rather than having it push us around, you know, because we live in a time 
right now where we pursue surgery and put these bags in our body that lead to illness or problems or uncomfortable situations. And so being able to kind of help women, I call it busting the quest for better breasts, you know, so trying to help women bust that quest is, is a, it's a proactive kind of way to help with this whole journey that, you know, our generation and the one before us and the one immediately after us, you know, we're all in this together. Um, but we've got, it's like a societal obligation to try to turn this around so that the minds of women are liberated, literally empowered, so that we don't keep believing these things and making these choices that harm our bodies. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, stay connected wherever you go and transform your vehicle into a dependable Wi-Fi hotspot. Powering applications like real-time GPS and voice assistant, navigation becomes a breeze. Even on the practice field, AT&T in-car Wi-Fi keeps you connected while in proximity of your vehicle. Work, stream shows, or finish homework without missing a beat. See if you're eligible for a free trial at att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi. Don't let connectivity be a roadblock in your journey. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't try distracted Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use when vehicle is in operation, compatible device and vehicle required. Now I'd like to introduce you to Meaningful Beauty, the famed skincare brand created by iconic supermodel Cindy Crawford. It's her secret to absolutely gorgeous skin. Meaningful Beauty makes powerful and effective skincare simple, and it's loved by millions of women. It's formulated for all ages and all skin tones and types, and it's designed to work as a complete skincare system, leaving your skin feeling soft, smooth, and nourished. I recommend starting with Cindy's Full Regimen, which contains all five of her best-selling products, including the amazing Youth Activating Melon Serum. This next generation serum has the power of melon leaf stem cell technology. It's melon leaf stem cells encapsulated for freshness and released onto the skin to support a visible reduction in the appearance of wrinkles. With thousands of glowing five-star reviews, why not give it a try? Subscribe today and you can get the amazing Meaningful Beauty system for just $49.95. That includes our introductory five-piece system, free gifts, free shipping, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. All of that available at MeaningfulBeauty.com. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Wow, Kristen, she has a lot of compassion and understanding for women. I mean, if I were going through all of this, I would definitely want to have someone like her holding my hand to help heal my heart. Yes, she is a secret weapon of sorts and so dedicated to this community. Not only has she been very kind and helpful, but she has a tactical plan and a methodology that she designed from experience. Well, you've been very lucky. You've met some very incredibly accomplished and generous people along your journey. Yes, and our next guest is also so giving. Jennifer Schultz has been an advocate to many of us, including me. She's empowering women to have faith in their bodies. And as a coach and mentor for women walking through BII, her mission is to help them from having an identity of being sick 
to an identity of being healed and healthy with confidence, community, faith, and fashion. Today, we're so excited to have a dear friend, advocate, colleague, and someone who has paved the way for the rest of us in the BII space. My friend, Jennifer Schultz, who is also a colleague, an advocate, an educator, a speaker, an entrepreneur, and someone who has creatively not only used fashion and your whole heart to help our community, but you've really become an advocate helping those of us recover from the disease from diagnostic through treatment. So first and foremost, Jennifer, do you mind sharing a bit with our listeners your experience with BII and how you got involved in this tragic yet sisterhood of a cause? Hi. Yes. Well, first of all, I just want to say thank you so much for inviting me and to be on your podcast. I feel so incredibly honored um, and grateful. So let's see. I got sick, like so many of us women do, and I started feeling fatigue and brain fog and and I literally thought it was just because I was working so much. And, you know, we all seem to put that the blame on that. Oh, it's I'm busy with the kids and work and this and that and the other thing. And my illness just never kept getting better. And I kept going to doctors after doctors, treatments after treatments. I spent literally over $150,000 during the four and a half years that I was sick. And I was told I was fine. I was told my CBCs all came back normal. I was told that I was depressed. I was told that after I told the doctor I had vertigo, he told me I had vertigo. Um, <laughs> I was told all kinds of nonsense, right? And But I knew in my gut that something was not right. I just knew it. I never thought it was my implants though until one of my girlfriends said to me, her name's Brenda. She said, I think your implants are making you sick. And I did not wanna receive that at all. Because like you, I mean, like who wants to think their implants are making them sick? So at that point, I started kind of looking around, but I, honestly, I started praying and asking God to show me if it were my implants. And that is when it just like, he just opened the doors. And that's when I really knew, okay, it's my implants. And that's kind of how it all started. So I was sick four and a half years, found out it was my implants, actually went to a kinesiologist because again, I prayed and God put a woman in front of me at church and she had the same illness. And she said, you have to go see Dr. Verzel because he's the one that told me I had breast implant illness. He's a kinesiologist. And I was like, a kinesiologist, what the heck? I don't get that. I've been to all these other doctors and a kinesiologist is going to tell me. And instantly when I went to see him, he did muscle testing on me. He said, oh, I didn't even tell him what was going on. But he said, your implants are making you so sick. Can you tell us what a kinesiologist is? For our listeners? Yeah, a kinesiologist basically is um, a natural path chiropractic doctor. So he um, he does chiropractic type of work, but also he does a lot of stuff in muscle testing. And I'm a huge believer in muscle testing because I've seen it work on other people. So when I went to him, I just said, "Yeah, my friend Kim told me to come here and see you. I've been sick with you know sick for four and a half years. I don't know what's going on. She thinks you can help me." So he started. He literally put um, silicone, like a little bottle of silicone in, or saline, I can't remember, I think it was silicone, in my hand, yeah, it was silicone, and he started muscle testing me, and I literally was failing the test, <laughs> and he said, oh yeah, you are, you're, he said, you have implants, I said, yes, I do, he said, they are completely 
like destroying your body. He said, your body's starting to fall apart and like shut down is his words. It's like a fire inside your body is how I've heard a lot of women explain it. And in talking to you, the fact that you were able to see a kinesiologist, what's so fascinating to me is today I have this horrible tremor. And it started and I, you know, messaged my doctor before the podcast. And one of the things in terms of diagnosis and recovery is a lot of times we're chasing the symptoms versus the root cause. And you can get sent to all these specialists. So it's interesting that you found a quarterback who took the initiative. And then for you, it was really like this radical awakening is kind of what I'm hearing. Oh, yeah, completely. Especially because I literally got on my knees and said, God, show me what's wrong with me. I can't do this anymore. I mean, I, I literally cried out to him. And then like that Sunday is when I met Kim. She normally didn't even go to my church. Um, and then I got in with Dr. Verzel. It just started happening so quickly. And even after he told me, I felt like I was sucker punched. I, I went, remember going to the beach and I'm like, okay, I get it. It's the implants. And like you said, the doctors aren't looking for the root cause. And there is a root cause. And for me, it was the implants. And for whatever reason, that tremor, which I will be praying for, for you on that later, there's a root cause for that. And it's probably the implants. So Jennifer, do you mind sharing a bit with the listeners what you went through when you were deciding to go through explant and the process of meeting with the doctor and having the procedure? Yeah, I think um, so. What I was going through at that time uh, was a state of accepting that it was my implants, number one, and then dealing with the fact I have to have surgery because no one wants to have surgery. I, I don't even like having an IV stuck in my arm. So that part just grossed me out. <laughs> so I was going through all the mental stuff of like, oh, what does all this mean? And who's going to take care of me? I mean, all these thoughts start going through your head. So then going to the surgeon and sitting down with him and him telling me that I was, number one, a classic case. And that all the symptoms I've had, so many women have. He did say that my body was shutting down, just like my kinesiologist said. He also said that I was not a candidate for um, fat transfer because I was too sick. He said, if I even try to do a fat transfer on you, because my doctor does not put implants back in because he's totally against it. So he said, if I even tried to do a fat transfer with you, um, it's going to, it won't work because your body's too sick. It will instantly reject it. So he said, we will discuss it again in, in a year's time if that's, you know, what your heart's desire. Jennifer, what you just pointed out there as a BII coach, had I known you three years ago, I unfortunately did not have a doctor who gave me that great advice. I made the decision to re-implant implants. So I ended up having that experience of going from a bad disease to overnight just decimated. And so as a BII coach, it sounds like all these little tips you picked up, you're able to save people this, quote, critical healing time because that was a big decision not to reconstruct right away. It's not easy to do that, right? I would love to say that when I speak this out to people, they instantly say, okay, I'm not gonna get implants again because I actually have someone I was working with who has a lot of the symptoms, but she ended up putting implants back in her, even though I highly encouraged her not to, but she was not willing to, you know, like learn how to have the confidence of her own identity. So. I know that not everyone's going to listen to me or you for that matter. All we can do is pray and hope that we get our message out there and that more women like think, okay, 
if all these women around here are going through this, then maybe I need to like do some more research. Maybe I need to consider like, like just being natural, being organic. Well, and on the mindset for me, initially how Christine and I um, got involved is when I had my implants done the second time during what I thought was my treatment. When the recall happened, I was very angry. You know, there was, a, and still is a part of me that was mad. But then, like all of us, I think the warrior becomes that we want to do something about this. And so when raising awareness, I reached out to Christine and I, you know, we've done a lot of research. And I think there's this big conception out there that we don't want anybody to have implants, et cetera. And one of the most important things is that all of us honor it's your body, your choice, but you really need full disclosure. And so in terms of your recovery and what I've heard you say you went through, there was a lot of things we were not told when I got the implants. One of my questions to you was all of these symptoms you've mentioned now they have something called the warning, you know, that the FDA's issued that's inside the box. And we're all lobbying for full disclosure. We all want people to be told the financial, emotional, and physical risks of implants. But as you deliver that information to women, are most of them shocked that this is even a thing? Oh, tons. I meet people every day. They're like, what? This, this, this was a thing? Like, yes, I still am blown away with how many people, men and women, are blown away when I tell them, yeah, the implants made me sick. And here's the deal. Notice how I say the implants because I don't, they're not mine anymore. I don't claim them. They're not mine. I don't own that. They're, they're gone. So I, yes, people are shocked. They don't know that this is happening worldwide. Women, hundreds of thousands of women are being affected by this. And what's happening is then it's affecting their family. Then it's affecting their dreams. Then it's affecting their life. So again, going back to what you were saying, how do people deal with this and how we've got to change the way we think once we get the implants taken out. So therefore we can go back to what God has called us to do. Everyone's different. I don't know what, you know, there's different people on here. Maybe they've been called to be a teacher or a mom or a lawyer or an entrepreneur, um, whatever that looks like for them. This illness puts like almost like a hold on us. But if we become warriors and we fight, we fight to stay healthy, to stay healed, and, and then we go after our dreams, it's amazing what, what will happen. And I think, too, what you talk about, Jennifer, that's so important is the financial side. You brought this up. And I think one of the third biggest points for women is that, number one, there's solutions available. There's organizations out there. But financially, we're, I was quoted everything from $8,000 to $50,000. And I've really read and we've been talking a lot about there being a standard of care. And so to coach people economically on how to get through this, we, this is probably the epitome of creative financing. There's some insurance tricks and people, you know, that are more likely to cover. So the financial barrier, what are your tips on that is like kind of the third misconception, because I think that's a really big barrier to women getting treated that it's too expensive or they can't afford Yeah, it. I hear a lot of people say, oh my gosh, it was only this amount to put them in, but it was this amount to take them out. And I'm like, dude, you were excited to get them in. You found the money to put them in. Now find the money to get them out. Okay, that's my normal thought process because I'm, I'm kind of a bottom line type of person. So again, I can't say that to some people because they can't handle hearing that. But I think if women recognize how excited they were to get them put in and how they found the money, we will find the money to get them taken out. I found the money to get them taken out. I didn't, I didn't have a clue. So for me, literally, I went through my insurance. 
they were not cut. They were not. They wanted. You know where? You know where my insurance wanted to send me to? To a hand surgeon. I'm like a hand surgeon. He's not. He doesn't know what he's. Doing. So you've got to be willing to like know that. Okay, if I want to find the money, I'm gonna. I'm gonna find the money. So here's what happened with me. And I'm being full on authentic. I had gone through all my savings. I'm like, how am I going to come up with this amount? Mine was around seventeen thousand. Okay. And again, people are like, 17,000, oh my gosh. I said, look, I want the best and I want it done properly. I don't wanna to have to go back in for a second surgery. So this is good for me. Now my best friend, hers was like, I think 10,000. Totally happy, doing great. He got it all out. They took pictures, she got pathology back, all of that kind of stuff. So it depends on what state you're in. It depends on what city. It depends on all kinds of what, what, what you have done. But these are all the nuances that you know. So when someone reaches out to you as a coach, you know these brief nuance things. And I think that's amazing because the thing with this and to bring this kind of full circle is talking to you and listening, you know, not only have you been through explant diagnostic, but you're still in recovery. So for those of us out there that are listening and are struggling, what, you know, what would you say to women in recovery how would you describe it? And do you have a quote that you'd like to leave them with as inspiration? Because you have some amazing ones, Jennifer. I guess what I would encourage anyone who is going through this. Okay, number one, don't give up. You are not alone. I would also encourage you. Um, this is this is a scripture, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. For I know the plans I have for you. Plans to give you a, a future. Plans to give you hope in a future. Plans not to harm you. So I live by that scripture. I know that God's plans for me are to give me hope in a future. So I say that scripture over and over. So I would encourage anyone, if you're struggling or you're having a bad day, get into scripture and start reading scriptures because the provisions that God offers us is so much bigger than the negative stuff. So for example, if you're dealing with anxiety, what's the opposite of anxiety? Peace, right? So what if I start feeling anxiety, I instantly start thinking about, okay, peace. I need to be in a state of peace. God, give me peace. I start praying. You've made this congregation of women that have come together that have faith in each other. There's a big level of trust. And I think what I'm hearing from you, Jennifer, is that the key to recovery is to have faith in yourself, to have faith in the people around you, to, like Christine just said, trust your gut, verify the information and find a community that can support you because there's so many amazing communities out there. And I think what you've done to be not only an advocate, a coach, an entrepreneur, a fashion stylist, you've given us all solutions that are not only accessible, but they're real and they're honest and they come from this huge heart and empathy. And I want to thank you for not only the work you do for others, but for leading by example, because I think it is very difficult when we're going through this journey, we want to appear perfect and you sharing your experiences authentically and openly is not only saving lives, but you're building warriors. And I think through this work, we're not only going to be able to change the narrative, but we are going to get full disclosure. And it starts with those of us sharing what's close yeah. to our chest, which is We're our good. story about that. BII. So. Yes. Well, thank you for you. I think that what you're able to do and share for people is incredible. We will leave a link to your social media, ways to get in touch with you. Um, and is there anyone, you know, anything you'd like to shout out before you go to the listeners as resources that you provide or trust? Well, I would say you. <laughs> you provide so much information. <laughs> I want to thank you 
for what you're doing, because I know you're still walking through it and you still have bad days and you're going through a lot of health issues. And I just, I just like bow down to you and say, thank you for everything you're doing, for not giving up, for fighting for women, for fighting for this illness and, and knowing that God has given you such a bigger purpose and a bigger plan that I don't even think, honestly, I don't even think you're aware of. Honestly, I really don't. Um, it's so humongous. Like literally I've, when I've prayed for you, I've seen huge, huge things around you. So, um, yeah, your, your plans are quite large. So I just want to say, thank you. Look at all of your information is amazing. Thank you for what you're doing. Kristen, she is so determined, strong, and definitely somebody you want to have in your life. It is amazing how powerful spirituality is for the community. Uh, No matter what your faith is, having something that helps you through is really what matters. It is, Chris. Sharing your story is scary, yet necessary, as these are the testimonies that save lives. Since she began this journey, I love that nothing stands in her way. And what have you learned listening to these interviews, given where you are in your journey? Definitely first, have faith in your body. That sounds mystical, but it's key. Regardless of your denomination, many survivors share that they lean a lot on the spiritual community. It was hard for me to keep faith after all this rejection. But now I myself even have Amazing Grace tattooed on my left inner arm. And I find it interesting how many nurses and doctors compliment me on it. And then I get to share my story and why I got the tattoo as a reminder that I need to have faith and push on and not give up. Well, what we do know is that the mind is a very powerful organ, and it sounds like mentally you have to be strong as each person has their own unique healing process. So finding a support group is key. I mean, from church to chat rooms, there are thankfully many options. Yes, and the emotional scars are the hardest for me to heal. I'll bet. I'm glad you found the support. I mean, that is key. However, let's talk about the second lesson I took away. The recovery process seems to have phases, and that is unique to each of you. As we've heard, many women have thyroid issues, autoimmune issues, and of course, BIA, ALCL, all these diseases with their own treatments. There are so many symptoms and diseases that fall under the great umbrella of breast implant illness. How do you navigate it? Well, Christine, a very wise man in the entertainment industry once told me that life is a series of storms and the key to surviving is finding your umbrella. So I took that advice and I've been working on my umbrella, which now consists of a full toolkit of experts, physical doctors to psychological support to integrated medicine experts. And working across disciplines to all these specialists is hard. So the other thing I did is found the right quarterback. And I think for anyone that's key. You need someone who can understand what all of these doctors who focus on just one part of your body, because that's a specialty, say. So the colon doctors and endocrinologists need to talk to the hematology doctors to the, I mean, you see where I'm going. I joke that I need the person to manage all the allergists. (laughs) Holy cow. It's like, how do you keep it all straight? You must have a medical degree at this point. (laughs) Right, (laughs) WebMD. So, Kristen, what was uh, what is this recovery plan like yours? How much has it cost you so far? Everything. I mean, emotionally, clearly a lot. You know, I have depression, anxiety, and really, really hard times. Physically, 
you know, I'm left with conditions and things that will never go away. And financially, almost everything I have. But I've been blessed, you know, to have friends and people who cared about me to help me because this disease literally could leave me homeless or God forbid I lost my insurance. What would I do? So it's really important to have a financial plan as part of recovering and know that recovery isn't just surgery in the two weeks after. It could go on because you have complications. You know, think about what I've spent being in the hospital for five days recently and all the experts I saw and then all the time I've missed from work, etc. So it's really almost impossible to quantify this even when you begin to look at the opportunity cost, right, of all these years being sick versus out there with you making great projects. So for each person, it's different, but in many ways the same. And the number's always too much. You know, it extends us to a place that we never imagined. Well, I mean, Kristen, it seems like the most important thing is that you need to be able to take the time to be able to heal. That seems like really the most important part of it all. I mean, you can be thinking about all the other stuff, but if you don't take the time to heal, you're never going to get better. So, you know, and then it seems like you're stuck on some kind of a treadmill. It seems like many women share that, and it's a big barrier to treatment, especially when it can take you a year more to recover. Absolutely. You know, women don't want to leave their kids. They don't want to be out for two weeks, let alone a year. And It's key to recognize that this is not a simple process to enter. And honestly, Chris, the other lesson I learned is that it's something I'm currently struggling with is honestly, is that recovery is not a race. And I think many of us feel disappointed that we're not healing overnight. Mm. You know, I compare it to when people get pregnant and you see them on the internet three weeks later and they're like, what baby? And, you know, the type of support people use during recovery, it can be really expensive and cost prohibitive to many of us. And I found myself really looking at other patients in comparing I was at versus where they were at. And I felt like I was failing. And I really started to be hard on myself. And you know me, I wanted to be good at recovery. (laughs) But then my doctors reminded me that everybody comes into this with their own set of conditions and disabilities Mm. and symptoms and underlying genetics. And each journey is different. And it's important to remember that. You know, it's your recovery and focus on you and take the time you need. And that's been hard for me because we have to somehow finance this and we also want to keep working. But it's important to take time off and let your body heal. Yeah, you need to heal. But I mean, Kristen, I think one of the most important things that we learned from doing this podcast together is that together we are not alone. Close to the Chest with Kristen and Christine has been brought to you by Be Noble Media Group and iHeartRadio. A very special thanks to our guests, Dr. Amanda Savage-Brown and Jennifer Schultz. To find out more about Dr. Amanda Savage-Brown, you can find her on Instagram at Dr. Amanda Savage-Brown. That's at dr.amandasavageebrown. And you can find out more about her bright program, at www.amandasavagebrown.com and follow Jennifer Schultz on Instagram at Jennifer Schultz Style. That's at J-E-N-N-I-F-E-R-S-H-U-L-T-Z-S-T-Y-L-E. Jennifer Schultz Style. Now I'd like to share some gratitude. A very special thanks to iHeartRadio, Jawara Parker, and her iHeartRadio marketing team. And a big, big thanks to our executive producer, Ramsey Yant. 
If you or someone you know would like to know more about breast implant illness, please visit sicktitties.com. That's S-I-C-K-T-I-T-T-I-E-S dot com. Also, please follow us on Instagram at sick.titties and at bnobleart. That's B-N-O-B-L-E-A-R-T. And we would also love to have you join our Facebook page at bnoble on B-I-I. And please remember, you're not alone. Together, we can beat this. The views and opinions expressed are solely those of the podcast author or individuals participating in the podcast and do not represent the opinions of iHeartMedia or its employees. This podcast should not be used as medical advice, mental health advice, mental health counseling or therapy, or as imparting any healthcare recommendations at all. Individuals are advised to seek independent medical counseling advice and or therapy from a competent healthcare professional with respect to any medical condition, mental health issues, health inquiry, or matter, including matters discussed on this podcast. Close to the Chest with Kristen and Christine is a production of iHeartRadio and produced in our studios located in Atlanta, Georgia. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.